Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Let me pray, and then we're going to get straight into the message today. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Easter. Lord, on this day around the world, a couple of billion people are going to remember what Jesus did and what he accomplished at the cross. And then we're going to look towards the resurrection, this defining three days in the human story. doesn't matter how you break it down. 2021, it's measured from the life of Jesus. We thank you today. And I pray as people listen to this message in this room, as people link in from wherever they are, and as people gather via links and in church buildings across the globe, I pray that today would be a day when salvation would come to people's lives and to people's homes. And I pray that today would be a day when your church would be galvanized afresh with the message of Jesus, which is the gospel that has the power to save. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to church. Great to have you here. Um, uh, we're going to get an image on the screen, I think. Uh, uh, it should be a bugler, and then we'll get a, 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 the follow-up image. Well, that one, there you go. That's Anzac Day here in Tamworth on the dawn service of the 100th anniversary. And I remember being there. That's just part of the crowd. It was quite a gathering. Uh, if you've ever been to the dawn service, each year I go to the dawn service and and it is, there's something about it, something very reverent, at least for me, I'm sure for many, about the dawn service. And there is a moment in the dawn service that sends shivers down my spine. And it's when the bugler plays the last post. Uh, in fact, you know, I have such reverence for it, and I know some of you do too, that I wanted to play it this morning and thought, it's inappropriate to play it anywhere except in the places it's meant to be played. So powerful and so moving. And and each year when that moment comes, I have my own religious tradition, if you like. But it's from the heart. I will, down my head, I will whisper a prayer so I don't disturb the mood. And thank God that I live in this nation and that he turned two world wars so that I and you could be free and liberated in this modern democracy, in this fortunate land called Australia. And then I do reflect on the lives that were lost. Because young men and young women paid a massive price for you to be able to sit here like this, for me to be able to stand here as I am. And I do that each year. And, and, and I want you to think about that because we get, we actually get it that there's a sacrifice of life for the liberty of others. We get that idea. People like to say, oh, I don't get the cross. But we get the idea. We get an Anzac Day. We get it when we see the image of a fiery whose life is lost on the front line of our modern challenge with all of our, you know, um, climate-affected country, or maybe just our very natural rhythm of our nation. I'm not sure which one it is, and I'm not here to debate that with you today. But we all get the image of a fiery and the sacrifice of life to spare the life of others and of all sorts of things. And, and we get it in our police force, don't we? You and I get that when a police officer loses their life, there's something fundamentally wrong with that. 
And then we acknowledge that there is a sacrifice of life that is required on occasions for our nation to enjoy the peace and the safety and the order that it does. And we thank God. I thank God for it. We get that there's a sacrifice of life for the liberty of others. Jesus said this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, he was talking about just the day-to-day rhythm of life. He wasn't even talking about what we're talking about here, but obviously he knew what he was saying in the moment because he would do that for us, his friends. And I don't know about you. No one really knows until the moment comes whether they would do what is required in the moment. I hope I would, but you never really know, do you? And Jesus says, but there's no greater love than this, than one would lay down their lives for their friends. And so, and then there's this idea, that, and it's this idea, sorry, that really captures everything about Jesus because that's exactly what he did. The Bible says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, some of you know it, but I want us to think about it deeply today. Jesus came to give his life uh, yep, there's Anzac Day and there's fiery and there's police and it's noble and it's worthy and, and it's something we don't know that we would actually do. But then there's Jesus. Jesus didn't just come for his friends. Jesus came for his enemies. Jesus didn't come for a, a group of people or an individual. Jesus came for the nations. He came for the ages and he laid down his life, it says, for the, sin, uh, for the, for the good of many. He became a ransom. And that word ransom actually comes from the slave markets of the day when Jesus walked the planet. That's where it originates. It's it's this idea that I could walk into a slave market that trades in human beings and I could pay the price for someone whose life was not their own and that person could walk free the very same hour. That's the word that he's using there. That's where ransom comes from. And the Bible says that Jesus paid the ransom with his death for the many for the ages, for us all, for me, for you, the ransom of our souls. It was at my uncle's funeral yesterday. It was a big day. But here's what I know. His body laid in a casket at the front of the room, but his soul was long gone. His body was about to, or already was, decaying rapidly, but his soul is living. His soul is living as sure as I'm living, breathing, and speaking in this moment right now because we are living souls and this body is a tent. Some people got great tents. Some people got tents that aren't working so well. We all got a tent. But the soul, the real us, the deep us, the true us, it will live forever. And Jesus came not only to ransom the body, but to ransom the soul in this life and in the life to come. It's good news for people. Now, there is bad news, of course. But you know, bad news isn't all bad. If Bronnie, when I get home today, says to me, you know, Daz, I know you wear black to cover up when you're not fit. No comment. But you really, you'd want to know that you need to lose a few kilos right now. Pre-Easter Sunday when you'd normally eat seven Easter eggs. Now that's bad news. But it's good news if you put it in its context. Well, people like to call bad humanity when it's placed in its context and the Jesus story and what Jesus has done for us. And so this morning, I want you to think about this scripture, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. 
You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Jesus died for the ungodly. Anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. I think Bron might dare to die for a husband. We're not sure. I hope I would dare to die for my wife. I'd be devastated if I didn't. But Jesus goes way further than that. God, he does it for his enemies and his friends. But God demonstrates his own love for us, for you, for me. In this, so while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. While we were powerless, as it says, while we were still sinners. And, and, and let me break it to you because it's actually good news when you put it in its context. People don't like the word sin today. They're offended by it. But sin is real. And the reality is that we've all screwed it up. And if you know me, you know I have. In fact, it shouldn't be a shock to anyone when they hear that they've sinned because we've all screwed it up somewhere along the line. You might be thinking I'm screwing it up by even using those words, going down and use different words. But we all screw it up sometimes, don't we? And we get it. It's why that most people I've ever met in a private conversation about God will tell me how good they truly are. Because deep down we get it. I'm not having a go at that. I'm, I used to do the same thing. I used to walk past a Catholic church on my way to work on night shift as a late teens and think next week I'm going to um, confession. And I'd have my own private confession standing on the road like if I'm just in within proximity to the church, maybe God will forgive me. God, I'm not in the church, but I'm walking past it right now. I'm just going to stand here and do confession. And I was always trying to get it right. And deep down, I think most people in our culture know that because when I speak to them privately, that's the answer they give. I'm a pretty good person. And you may well be. I know some of you. You're not completely. I'm not using names today. No names. Not while we're on a link with you. So let me give you three thoughts as it relates to Good Friday, where we, where we talk about the cross where Jesus died. Three thoughts today. Number one, number one is this. The cross is a symbol of sin cancelled. When you think of the cross, it's a symbol of sin cancelled. When you see it, I want you to think of that. It's sin cancelled. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3 says, for what I have received, I pass on to you as a matter of first importance. That Jesus, that Christ, or that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Jesus died for our sins. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. That is trouble until we hear the good news and then it's relief. Until his death has purpose, the cross makes no sense. The cross makes absolutely no sense unless we understand its purpose and it was to make things right between all and you, between us who get it wrong and a holy God. And it's good news. Once we see this for what it is, it changes. It does change everything, regardless of what we do with it. I might not do anything with it, but once I know about the cross and about what Jesus did for me and his invitation to it, it changes everything. It did for me. I couldn't do anything without thinking about the fact that I knew I wasn't right with God and that he was the only one who could make it right for me no matter what I did. That changed everything even before I accepted it. What about you? I'm glad you're hearing it today. You might be going, well, Darren, don't tell me. Well, you know, better off by not knowing. It's great to have knowledge that you could make a decision. When we can see the need for his sacrifice and the liberation it makes possible, everything changes. To see the cross as something done for us, we must see it as something that caused bias. We caused it. Humanity caused it. We all caused it. And that's okay. Because before time began, God had a plan in mind to send his son into the world that if you and I would believe in him and what he did, that the Bible says we shall be saved, we shall be rescued from our sin, we shall be 
secured for eternity. That was his plan, and it's an extraordinary plan at that. We live in a time since about 2015, you might have come, become familiar with this term, even if you don't understand it. Cancel culture. Anyone heard of cancel culture? Of course you have. And oh, it creates all sort of emotions in people when you talk cancel culture. Some people love it, some people hate it, most people don't understand it and still have an opinion on it. Well, it started in a noble place with the Me Too movement. That's a noble work, that men treat women badly, that they sexually um, abuse them, that they take advantage of them. That is a worthy culture to cancel. Obviously, it's blown out of control, and I won't go into the opinions on that today. But the thing about cancel culture is this. It takes a high-profile person or a professional person or, 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 or someone with power, and, and it says to them, mainly through social media and others, it says, you are cancelled. You no longer have a place and you no longer have a voice. You're out, you're ostracised, you're gone, you're done. Well, that's what Jesus did with sin. He said, hey, I'm cancelling sin with my death on a cross. It's gone, it's done, it's ostracised, it's out. It has no more voice in your life when you put your trust in me. It is a finished work. And so this morning, sin is cancelled for those who would believe. Romans 6, 23, uh, sorry. Sin is cancelled. Here's a second thought. The cross is a symbol of eternity secured. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We do need to think about eternity. We are going to live forever. The day is coming when there'll be so many candles on the cake that you just cannot blow them out when we arrive in eternity. Looking forward to those days. Looking forward to when the body doesn't age by a minute and it doesn't put on a kilo no matter what I eat. I believe it's coming. Can't wait for the vineyard on a hill rolling down to the riverbed at the back of my yard. And Brian says, but then you've got to work. I say, no, Brian, angels will work it. I will sit on the deck and drink the best red wine that the humanity has ever known. Cheese and crackers, you're welcome to join the party. In Jesus' own words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, the Heavenly Father, except through me. Death holds no fear. Death holds, sorry, lots of fear for so many people. I've been to some very contrasting funerals in the last few weeks. I've never been to so many. They're so contrasting. Watching those without hope and what unfolds in that hour or so. And then those who, who know that eternity is secure. When I was sitting with my uncle just before he passed. He, he's 74 years old knows Jesus. And he said, Dad, you know, I don't want to go. I, I want to be with my kids. I want to see my grandkids grow. He's got his first great-grandchild. He said, but on the other side of it, I can't wait to see my mother because she's there. And I haven't seen her in a little while. So I'm sad to go and I'm ready to go all at once. And that was out without, he didn't even mention Jesus. Well, are you even a Christian? Glad to see Jesus. He is. The cross is a symbol of eternity secured. You know, as we think about that, and my uncle burying him yesterday, he'd be glad, just by the way, that I'm mentioning him in church today, he'd be glad that his life could echo a few days longer and have an effect on you. My uncle quit church when he was about 18. He quit Jesus, really. When he was about 18, grew up in church, some things happened. And um, he and I are very close, very tight. Worked together a lot of my adult life um, until I became a pastor, and and uh, we're driving home from work this day. 
And when I'd become a Christian, he, I'd said, hey, mate, you know, I'm going to follow God. And he went, well, whatever you do, don't talk to me about it. You're the boss. No worries. About a year later, we're driving home from work. And he says, he pulls up at my house. And he says, hey, Daz, um, you've been praying for me. I went, I have. He went, I knew. I knew it. A couple of years later, he's driving to his grandchild's funeral, really, still in the hospital, newborn, priest brought in, grandchild about to leave this planet. And after 30 years in what he would call his own rebellion against God, he prays a prayer. And he says, God, if you will heal my grandchild, I will serve you. God healed his grandchild that day, and he served him the rest of his life. And that is the kindness of our God, that even when a person might live in rebellion most of their days, that in the moment that we cry out to him in our desperation and need, that he would return to us and say, my arms are wide open. This is why I sent my son for you. The cross is a symbol of sin cancelled. It's a symbol of eternity secured. Revelation 21, verse 3. I love these words. God's dwelling place, talking about the time to come, is now among the people and he will dwell with them. There will be, they will be his people. God himself. Death. There'll be no more my, my mourning. There'll be no more things have gone. They have passed away. And I tell you, there'd be people in this room today. You can't wait till the tears stop, until the pain goes, until eternity kicks in, and all of us, in some way, through. And and the in some way, some of us in deep ways. And the day is coming when it will be gone. And the Bible says, joy unspeakable will come. It's coming. It's coming sooner than we think. Our life is but a vapor and the day is coming and everybody who has put their trust in who Jesus is and what Jesus did will know that day and live in his presence for all eternity. And then number three today is the cross is a symbol of life abundant. It's not just sin cancelled and it's not just eternity though. That would be enough. It's life, it's life here and now. God's plan is here and now. Listen to these two Bible passages. So friends, what 2 Peter chapter 1, so friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this and you'll have life on a firm footing. The streets pave the way and are wide open into the eternal kingdom of our master and saviour, Jesus. But hey, don't put it off. Don't wait another day. My mum used to say to me when I first became a Christian at 21, there's some things I was dealing with. She'd say, Darren, you can, there's grace for today, but remember, today's the day to deal with it as well. It was a great lesson. I'm like, yeah, right, I'm, if I don't deal with it today, I'm going to wake up into tomorrow, and then I'm going to want to deal with it today anyway, so let's get it done. There's an invitation if you don't know him, the, God's invitation to you, his choice of you. The Bible says, don't put it off, do it now. Your life will have a firm footing in the here and now, it'll have a firm footing. It's not just for heaven to come, it's to bring heaven to earth in your life, through your life, by your life, where we live, walk, and all the rest of it. Don't put it off. Do it today. Set the street in his direction. And then if you're a believer today, the Bible talks to us, how can a person know and how can they hear except the gospel comes? And so will you rally your hearts afresh? Will you join me in praying for one another? Let's be the kind of people who are going, hey, 
All around us are people who desperately need to know about Jesus. Let's be, let's live great lives. Let's influence by our lives. And let's bring the message of Jesus to a world that needs it, that their life would be opened up and eternity secured for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.